The reading today is taken from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 10, and chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Dave, can I just pray for you before you share? Is that okay? Great. Father, thank you for our brother in Christ, Dave, and what you've put on his heart to share this week. Um, we just pray you'd fill him afresh with your Holy Spirit now. You'd speak through him, and we would all be ready to, to hear your word, God, your message to us and leave changed, leave transformed, leave closer and more in love with you and ready to live for you fully. Bless Dave, now we pray. Amen. God bless you for that reading. Thank you. Do you agree? Yeah. You read it so beautifully. In fact, so beautifully, it almost preached itself. And I'm nervous to preach this morning, I tell you. I also have a prayer to pray. Thank you for yours. Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Reclothe us in our rightful mind. In purer lives, thy service find.
and in deeper reverence praise. Amen. Um, experts tell us it's reckoned that John wrote this letter towards the end of his life. Perhaps 60 years after, after the public ministry of Jesus. That's a speculation, but there you are. And John is remembering here because again, as the experts tell us, the church is beginning to face a new heresy. It's not a fully-fledged heresy yet, as it will be in the second century, the heresy of Gnosticism. But it is nevertheless a heresy which takes on some of the philosophical ideas of the Greek world. Namely, that material flesh, whatever is material and of the flesh, is by nature evil. And that what is pure is the spirit, a kind of dualism. And the danger of this, of course, is that if people believe this false and lying philosophy, in actual fact, it makes the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ of no value whatsoever. And yet, Christ, the incarnation of the Son of God, did live as a man, was crucified, died, and is risen from the dead. And of course, John walked with Christ and listened to Christ. And I suspect, and I hope I don't do John an injustice here, but I suspect that behind this letter there's an element of anger. Not destructive anger but indignation that this heresy should be entering into the church and destroying the life which is being given to the Christians and denying future generations the joy of fellowship with God the Father and Jesus Christ his Son. He was, after all, called one of the sons of thunder, but I believe and I believe he was indignant, and that lies behind this letter. But it's a controlled indignation, because when he speaks about God being light, and later on in chapter 4 he speaks about God being love, it couldn't be other than a controlled indignation. He is so anxious for the life of the church to be maintained and grow. 
But he begins in a strange place, perhaps not a strange place. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Isn't that the way he began his gospel? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And didn't he explain that all things were made through him and not without him, not anything that was made that was made, and that the Word became flesh? And here he is again, that which was from the beginning. We proclaim concerning the, the word of life. We walked with him. We talked with him. We touched him says John. John, you might remember, is the one who at the Last Supper, while they were reclined together, lay his head upon the breast of Jesus. We have touched him. But the one that we've walked with and talked with and touched was the word of life who was in the beginning with God, the word made flesh. We were talking about divinity. We were experiencing the character and nature of God in this man. In him was life, he wrote in his gospel. And the life was the light of men. And Jesus, again quoted in John's gospel, says, I am the life of the world. Now it's difficult to get our head round this. But what is being said? But that the very life which gives life was somehow the very essence of who Jesus is. The very essence of Jesus is life. He is the one who gives Life. Where does life come from? Life is in God. As the Father has life in himself, Jesus has said, so he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. So we're talking about a human being that John walked and talked with and touched and learned from, but we're talking about a human being who in his very essence somehow or another remarkably, astonishingly, amazingly is the very source of life. And that's not all. Because later on John says, God is light. The life, John said in his Gospel, is the light of the world. And what is this light? I kind of crumple up inside myself trying to understand it, to tell the truth. We're talking about things 
I'm talking about things, we're reading about things which are too vast for us to understand even with our combined intellect here today. But here is the one who is the very source of life, who is light to mankind. Truth is lodged in him. Understanding is lodged in him. Knowledge is, loved, is, is lodged in him somehow. The nature and the purpose of being is lodged in him. He is the light of the world in a way that I can't begin to explain. But the light and the life are not distinguishable from one another. You cannot have the light without the life, or the life without the light. And John goes on in chapter 4 and says, God is love. And you can't have the light without the love. And you can't have the love without the life. The very nature of Jesus Christ is beyond our understanding. He is the very essence of the character and nature of God in human flesh. And what John is saying is, he dwelt among us. We, I walked with this man. I talked with this man. I listened to this man. I put my head on the breast of this man at the Last Supper. As Paul put it, we're talking about God manifest in the flesh. And he's walking with us. He appeared. What awesome, awesome condescension on the part of God. There's this word, life, light, becomes flesh. John says, we have fellowship with him and with the Father. Now the word fellowship I think is misunderstood. I've misunderstood it often enough. I've misunderstood it as a nice little jolly meeting with nice hymns and, and uh, being nice to people. In actual fact, fellowship, koinonia, is a partnership. A partnership in which people share themselves with each other, in which there is no selfishness. And John is saying here that this awesome, awesome person, Jesus Christ, that he now shares fellowship with him, God manifest in the flesh, and with the Father. That somehow or another, there's a partnership going on here, and there's a sharing. All that God has, he's giving to John, and all that John has, he's offering to the Father. There's a fellowship going on here. And he wants these people, and he wants you, and he wants me to enjoy the same fellowship with the Father and with the Son. But how can this fellowship be possible? 
Because you and I are sinners, as he goes on to explain. But also three times in this short passage that was read to us, three times in this short space of words, he has pointed out that Christ died for our sins. To forgive us our sins. To cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. That he was the propitiation for our sin. Do you know what a propitiation is? It's a sacrifice which is offered and understood to turn away wrath. When John says later on, we have an advocate with a father, there's the father looking down on you, and here's Jesus standing between you and the father, and he's our advocate, and his sacrifice, he's showing the father, here are my wounds, I died for them as you asked me to, Lord. I'm pleading for these people, my wounds speak for them. Turn away your wrath, welcome them into the fellowship of eternity, Lord God. Isn't that awesome? And who is it that's doing this? Who is the Christ? Not just the nice man that makes people better, but he is. Not just the nice man that tells beautiful stories which have meaning, but he is. But he is the life that was in the beginning. He is the light of the world. He is love. He is the incarnation of Almighty God's Word. And He's the one on the cross. He's the one on the cross. From heaven He came, helpless babe. He's the one on the cross. By the will of the Father, by his own choice, no one takes my life from me, he says. I lay it down of my own accord. Here, he's the one who's dying for us. God is making atonement for us. And the fellowship begins when we acknowledge we have sin. John is pretty straight here, isn't he? If we claim to be without sin, if you claim to be without sin, John says, you deceive yourself. If you claim to be without sin, John says, you're making Almighty God out to be a liar. If you walk in darkness of sin, John says, in this passage we read, if you are walking in darkness and not in the light, you don't have the grace of God marked upon you, do you? He's talking to us. He's talking to you 
Now you point the finger at me and say, and he's talking to you. Go on, do it. You see? None is righteous. No, not one. Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, who is it that's on the cross? Is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Not only yours, but the sin of the whole world. I think John is angry that the church is being robbed of this. And he wants to re-establish the, the facts which may for him be 60 years ago he walked with Christ. But the awesomeness of it, the reality of it, the power of it, the life of it, the joy of it, survives all these years and he's looking into eternity to enjoy it in its fullness. Because when they crucified Christ, oh, they took away the life, didn't they? Well, he's talking about the eternal life which is from God. And you cannot extinguish God's life. Inevitably, if Jesus has served the Father without sin, inevitably he will be raised from the dead. Well, when Christ was on the cross, they squashed love, didn't they? But if you've been doing Restore 2023, You've been reading the Song of Solomon and I think you've just read that love is stronger than death and many waters cannot quench love and when men crucified Christ they didn't quench the love of God it continues through. It lives. And the light John says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Once a long time ago, when I was a minister in this church, uh, we had blinds on these windows and you could pull the blinds down and we had a switch at the back which could alter the brightness of the lights. I don't know whether it's still there even. And uh, so one Sunday night, because we had evening services in those days, I had all these things pulled down and then we switched out all the lights and I struck a match and held it up and I tell you the nearer your eyes got to the light of that match the darker the darkness seemed but the brighter the light shined because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness, however much it impinges on it, cannot put it out. And they crucified Christ. But you cannot quench the love. You cannot destroy the life. You cannot, cannot put out the light of God, which is in Christ. And Christ was raised from the dead to have fellowship with us, sharing his life, sharing his love, 
pouring his light into our lives and receiving from us the worship which is reciprocal as you have done this for me, Lord Christ, so I kneel before you and I give you my life. I give you my understanding. I give you my love. And John doesn't want that fellowship destroyed. And so he's written to us about it. Now, how about you? We have a communion coming up in which com we commemorate the death of the Word who became flesh, was crucified for us, who stands between us and the Father. John's writing, so we don't sin, but if we sin, we have an advocate between us and the Father, who by his blood and sacrifice says, Father, I've taken responsibility for this man, this woman, this church, these people. I've taken responsibility. Welcome them to you again. Let them know how deeply they're forgiven. Amen.